Mike here, and it is also Wednesday, so that means Wellness Wednesday. Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic stopping by. Dr. Roizen's in the house. After uh, a very busy week last week, we tracked you down on the road. You were doing seminars galore. A lot of people interested in the Boston seminar. That was four days you chaired, chaired that thing. How did that come off? Um, went superbly. That was a global wellness summit. Uh, 11 different areas, so wellness, real estate, spas, uh, traditional medicine, uh, it's everything in the wellness sphere, 11 different areas, as I said, get together and uh, have a, uh, an intellectual discussion. Um, and it was fantastic. They're 15, literally 15 to 20 minute talks. As co-chair, I present... Uh, essentially a 15-minute talk in the morning and a 15-minute summary of what transpired in the day in the evening. So uh, I can give you all the summaries. And as you know, um, in the ballroom at night, we often have uh, a little wine and champagne. And you caught me in the middle of a glass, grabbing a glass of champagne. I went into a small hallway to do the segment um, last week, and uh, the uh, um, one of the um, attendants, so to speak, was walking by with a tray of champagne, so I grabbed a, a glass of champagne. No harm, no foul, Dr. Royson. As a former marathoner, we used to believe a glass of champagne was good after a long run, and I still believe that. I just don't run as much anymore. Well, I think you will provide a glass of champagne to everyone in the clubhouse, of course, when you get your next hole-in-one. And that would be my first hole-in-one, hopefully. <laughs> I, I had a brush with it last week. Uh, not, not, uh, I made the birdie, didn't get the hole-in-one, but it, we'll get on to that. Doc, so many questions I have to ask you, so much great research, but a couple of breaking stories. Uh, Canada has said they're going to not use the Moderna booster shot but they are going to favor the Pfizer booster shot for their people because of uh, a risk of myocarditis in young men with the Moderna is that common is that a thing well it's with both the Pfizer and the Moderna I actually the data I saw which was not the current data from Canada but the data I saw actually was a little greater with the Pfizer, but in any case, it's only in 18 to 40 year olds. You and I don't have to worry about that, and mo and women don't have to worry about that. So I and the Moderna does get a stronger antibody response, but whether you have Pfizer first or Moderna first or J and J first, you can get the Pfizer booster uh, later. For us old guys like you and me. Um, I'm putting you in my class here um, of old guys, but you're much younger, of course. Um, I did get the Moderna uh, booster. I uh, will continue to avoid getting the disease. And well, I got the Pfizer on all three, so I, I stayed. I'm a brand guy. If I find a brand I like, I stick with it. That's just me. Uh, okay, Doc, yesterday Angie and I were talking about a story that had us kind of laughing a little I bit. And um, it was the story about um, the New York Post had a story that referenced the Cleveland Clinic saying that it looks like people who take 
Viagra, men who take Viagra are having a uh, strong response against Alzheimer's. Like 69% of the people who took it were having a strong, I guess, success rate against developing Alzheimer's. Um, well, this this was a very interesting study. So I checked with the, I read the paper now, and uh, what they initially did is this is a group that you at the Cleveland Clinic in the basic research labs that used artificial intelligence and the structures of amyloid and tau to say what could block their attachment to nerve cells because it's their attachment that seems to, um, how do I call it, d uh, cause inflammation and then destruction of the nerve cells. And they said this same molecule or molecules that block nitric oxide reuptake and blocking the nitric, the nitrit, right, the nitric oxide is what causes the um, erection persistence um, in uh, the erectile dysfunction drugs. So Viagra, Cialis, et cetera, all of them work by blocking nitric oxide uptake um, in, back into the cell so it stays in the circulation longer and um, promotes increased blood flow there. Okay. The um, so they did this um, artificial intelligence work and found out that they thought this drug uh, Viagra was likely to do to block by amyloid and tau attachments. They then said, "Look, we could actually see if we got this. We've got a 7.2 million uh, patient database looking at the development of all kinds of." What we call phenotypic diseases. Do people develop dementia? And so they looked at this and they found that among those who took Cialis or Viagra, actually Viagra specifically, they found a 50% reduction in the frequency of dementia diagnosis. Now, you can say, is it due to this attachment or is that just a lucky thing? And it's really due to the fact that people with Viagra have a different social relationship than people who don't have Viagra. Um, in any case, we don't know. It, it needs to be repeated. It needs, and they're now going to do a randomized, what we call randomized double-blind controlled trial in people who um, are 65 or 75 and older who... Um, if you will, would get this and see whether go over the the three to five year period and see how many develop dementia versus the control group. Okay, so there there's additional study going on, but there is some real concrete positive evidence here that might lead us to something. I'm going to tie this into one of your uh, research topics, and we might run over time today, Doc. I'm just giving you a warning. Uh, and number five, not number five, number six on your research, could coffee help lower your odds for Alzheimer's? So should you be using coffee to take your Viagra? Well, this is actually an incredibly interesting subject um, because 
you know that about a thousand dollars worth of coffee a year, six cups a day, cost me about a thousand dollars through my Keurig, if you will, yeah. um, for the year, decreases the the um, accumulation of amyloid and tau plaques in the brain as much as the recently FDA approved with a lot of side effect drug that costs around $100,000 a year when you include the uh, MRI scans that are necessary uh, to follow and prevent the side effects being serious. Wow. So, so, so you can get a 100 to 1 discount if you want. And instead of getting the drug, go to uh, six cups of coffee a day. This is another one of the, this is an epidemiologic study, but a very good one. I think it was in uh, um, a large number of people again. Okay, so this is great news. And uh, if you're uh, into saving $99,000 a year, you can drink six cups of coffee a day and maybe fight it off uh, cheaper than uh, and better or as good as this this FDA-approved drug. Doc, um, I want to keep you overtime. Can you hang on and we can talk a little bit further about some of the other research? For you, I can obviously hang on. Well, we're getting a little bonus time with Dr. Michael Royzen from the Cleveland Clinic. He's hanging out with us. There's so much great research this week. Doc, so many important stories in medicine uh, that you're sharing with us. I will tell you the lead story on the research document you sent Angie and me this week is one we are constantly talking about, and we just need to know what the heck can we do. The number of people overdosing in this country went past 100,000 this year. It, this is a national tragedy and a problem I think we have to be able to do something about. Uh, where, where are you focused on this? Well, you know, the let me go and, and, and you probably know I ran uh, two anesthesia uh, pain management and critical care departments, one at the University of Chicago and one at the Cleveland Clinic. And I trained both in internal medicine and anesthesia because I wanted to be I wanted to run an ICU. So um, and then I got full time drafted into running the departments. And we had in the University of Chicago, we had about 55 residents a year in training people for their first year. Same thing, actually bigger at, at the Cleveland Clinic. And when I first got asked to do this, I was 38 and a rookie. But I knew the one thing I feared. The biggest fear was um, getting someone hooked on the opioid drug fentanyl that we had. And so we had a, a, a intense um, education program on how serious it was. Don't even try it once. The reason you can't try fentanyl once is it's too good. It doesn't have the side effects of heroin and morphine that give you a little dysphoria, a discombobulation or give you a little nausea or vomiting, or give you um, constipation. It's just a great drug. And you try it once, it's easy to get hooked on it. Hmm. Well, the reason it was, and so we then went through three days. We stopped the operating room, 50% of the operating room. It was my condition for accepting the job, 
for three days to do this intense education of every resident once a year. An enormous expense for a hospital to cut down their operating rooms by 50% for three days. But we did that. And the third day, we did interventions on one another, showing how tough it was once you get addicted to get an, a successful intervention done on you and rehabilitation. So I've got a strong interest in this. Hmm. And the reason fentanyl is, is killing people now is that the people, and I don't understand the economics of this, but they can make the drug very cheaply and then they lace other drugs, fake uh, sleeping pills, fake Ambien, fake uh, Xanax, etc., cetera, um, fake Oxycontin with a little bit of this. And maybe they're hoping to keep the people more addicted because this fentanyl is such a good drug. The problem is it's so powerful that you can't meter it out in a well enough quantity when you're doing grains to be able to not have some people go into overdose. That's why you pay an anesthesiologist a ton of money to watch over you during sleep because they're really pros at making sure you stay alive during that period of time. Um, and your street drug merchant isn't yeah. that pro. Uh, um, it, the second, let me go a little okay. longer. Please, if I can please do. This is such, such an important topic. I, everybody I know has had a family member affected by this. Yeah, so one is don't try it once. Don't buy anything illegal. Don't buy anything off the Internet. Get it from your damn pharmacist because get, if you will. And two is um, don't take pain. If you got pain, get it from a professional, not this way. Because the, the, it is too. Now, let me just give you the, the weird thing. Do you remember there were all those hijackings in the desert in the 80s? Um, you know, where people would hijack airplanes and hold them in the desert. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we did an experiment. I can't even tell you about who I, the we is, but you can guess, where we would infuse carfentanil. We would blow carfentanil into the plane as a test, if you will, and then see how fast we could go around with Narcan syringes to... Um, prevent the death of the passengers and crew, and the hijackers would uh, get uh, need artificial ventilation, which we maybe be able to give them. Um, wow! And then, and then, but we couldn't do it fast enough. We could not coming in. We could blow in the carfentanil. It's so powerful. One breath. I mean, it's what we tranquilize elephants with. With a, a cc for an elephant, a, a, a small quantity for an elephant, one little syringe full, and the elephant goes down. Well, you do that, you can blow it in through the ventilating system of a plane. And we, sh we did the test and we could do it, but we couldn't run fast enough um, to get everyone. Uh, you couldn't put enough people in running fast enough with Narcan syringes to do it. So it was a failed... Uh, experiment but just to show you how powerful and they've got carfentanil now synthesized wow um these are these are drugs that were the synthesis pathway was kept until uh, apparently some very smart scientists and i was told it from china 
figured out the synthetic pathway that is pretty easy, even though it had been kept a secret. Yeah, we've heard a lot of this uh, illegal fentanyls coming in from China, and uh, I'm hoping we can do something to stop it. I don't know that the fentanyl is coming in from China. They they can't, they figured out how to synthesize it there. I think it's coming in from our Latin American neighbors, if you will, where they're making it. Um, in other words, there's no reason to, to import it from China when, when it can be done less expensively in Latin America. Oh, well, they were saying China was outsourcing it to the the border countries, and then it yeah, was coming that's up right. from there. Uh, before we lose all our time here, Doc, that is such an important story. Um, they got a couple of now, really now, interesting... Now, wait a second. Yeah? I, I only started to tell you all the things you could do. Okay. But a couple of the things is you've got to be able to figure out an antidote so people don't get the respiratory problem, don't get the high from it. Um, so what have we done? We've done this with some vitamins in bread to prevent, you can you put it in bread to prevent spina bifida in newborns, right? Mm-hmm. We had spina bifida coming up and, and that's a neurologic condition of newborns when the moms weren't getting enough uh, folate. So we found our way of putting folate in bread. I think you can do the same thing with an antidote without getting a side effect, uh, and and I think it's worth a trial, but we haven't done that trial in the United States yet, or any wow. place to my wow. knowledge. But you, if you if you got a choice, don't try it once. It's too good. Okay. I, I, I'm with you 100%. I got under two minutes here, Doc. The best exercise for heart health is what? Is any exercise. Um, there are. There was a suggestion from the Norway study. This study was done in Norway, and the problem is the people in Norway exercised too much to begin with. So the control group was doing um, much more than the average exercise person, the average top 15% in America. So in Norway, they're very active. And um, what they found was that a little high intensity exercise, there was a signal that it improved cardiac health and decreased all-cause mortality. In fact, Cleveland Clinic, using its large database, is the only study that shows that that hit high-intensity interval training, (coughs) excuse me, actually makes a difference to longevity. Okay. Can you, under a minute, can you tell me the four stages of sleep and how much I need? No. Okay. You need more than you're getting. <laughs> well, yeah, that's obvious. But I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it, though. I'm working on a minimum of six every night, and naps no longer than an hour when I have to take a nap. But the, the answer is we all should get a baseline of six, correct? That's got to be the baseline. Well, six and a half. There's a new book out. I didn't write it. Diane Macedo of the ABC who is an ABC correspondent who does night shift at ABC and Good Morning America, wrote it because of her own sleep problem. She interviewed all sleep experts. It's called The Sleep Fix. You can go to thesleepfixbook.com, I think. 
It's a outstanding book on the subject of sleep. I'll do my homework on it, and next week you can quiz me, and we'll see uh, how I did. His name is Dr. Michael Royzen. We will eventually get his books off the boats in the supply chain crisis, and we'll, we'll get them out to everybody as soon as possible. Dr. Royzen, thank you for the extra time and so important, the message on fentanyl. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. 